You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. Anyone like movies? Give me a wave if you like movies. Now, I love movies. Monday night at my house is family night. We do, if I'm in town and, and uh, there's, there's nothing else uh, that, that is of importance that would take this, Monday night for us is family night. And we'll play games or we'll go for a walk down the beach or we'll 99.9% of the time find a movie, sit down and watch a movie together. But we have an age gap between our kids. So Judah is normally on like Minecraft on the iPad with the headphones in and we're watching a movie. That's how we do it. And, uh, but, but here's the deal. There is movie etiquette. Anyone know that there's movie etiquette? Come on. If you don't know what movie etiquette is, I'm going to school you in two of what are very common practices for movie lovers in terms of movie etiquette. The first one is don't be a spoiler. Come on, anyone ever have, anyone got that friend that comes up to you and goes, hey, have you seen this movie? It's really cool because at the end, it blah, 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 blah. Like, well, thanks a lot. I didn't really see it. And now I'm not intending to see it. I really, there is one person in our family who's a spoiler. I'm not going to shame them. I'm not going to give you too much information. Uh, he's the eight-year-old boy up there, right up there. He, at eight years old, your, your impulse... Uh, your impulse reactions aren't under a lot of control. So if he knows what is happening in the movie, he's going to tell you whether you like it or not. Uh, he'll just tell you what happens in the movie. Uh, a few, and then the second thing is, if you're in a theater, just be quiet. I don't want to hear what's going on in the inside. Four rows in front of me. Oh, ooh. Uh, it's like, it's just awkward. Like, just keep it on the inside. And don't talk to the actor. He can't hear you. My kids are going to use this against me in an All Blacks game. He can't hear you. Run, go. He can't hear you. So anyway, I, uh, when Hacksaw Ridge came out, if you haven't seen Hacksaw Ridge, it's an amazing movie. If you don't like Blood and Guts, don't see Hacksaw Ridge. But uh, it's a great movie with a great storyline. I'm not going to give you, I'm not a spoiler, but the, the theme of it is a guy who goes to war and he doesn't want to use weapons because of his religious beliefs, so they let him go to war to do other things. So he goes to war... Uh, and, and someone comes and tells me that, I haven't seen the movie, someone comes and tells me the end of the movie. So I know the end of the movie. Like, spoiler, thanks, dude, appreciate it. Uh, so he tells me the end of the movie. I'm traveling overseas and my friend says to me, hey, do you want to go and see Hacksaw Ridge? I'm like, yeah, cool, let's go and see Hacksaw Ridge. So we sit in the movie. I know the end of the movie. Like, I know, what it's, and it's an intense movie. Like, it is, it's war, it's blood, it's guts, it's brutal uh, and it's in it. So I'm sitting there, and my friend is the movie talker. Like, he's like, ooh, ooh, run, run, run. I'm like, dude, shush. I get up and move away from him, like four rows forward. And by the end of it, I, I reckon they had to reupholster the seat he was sitting in because he was gripping it so hard. And at the end of the movie, he looks at me and he says to me, hey, why were you so calm? That was so intense. I said to him, oh man, I know the end. Like I knew what was happening at the end. So although it was intense here and although there was a bit of a journey that I knew the end, so I was calm because I knew what was going to happen at the end. Do you know what? As a Christian, it doesn't matter what we go through. Let me tell, I'm spoiler alert. Here's the end. We win. Jesus hung on a cross and he said, it is finished. That all sickness has been paid for. All challenge has been paid for. We win in the end. Jesus hung on a cross and said, it is is finished and if we know the end then it should change the way we go through the middle 
because we know the outcome. Uh, when we, a few, a few uh, series ago, not last series, the one before, we did a series called Checkmate. And I coined this phrase in the Checkmate series, the war is won, but the battle is still very real. How many know that although Jesus paid for everything and did everything on the cross, the war is won, but I've still got a battle or two to fight in the middle. Come on, anyone know what the battle or two to fight? We need a year of overcome because there are some battles to fight. And I think tonight, tonight I'm, I'm believing that every one of us walk out with one of the greatest keys I've ever discovered in Scripture of how to overcome well. Come on, anyone want to overcome well? I, I, want, I, want to, I, want to, I want to know what God says on how to overcome. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. says this, Therefore, since the promise remains of entering His rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of it. Do you know that you can, you can be in the midst of war but still be in rest? The Bible says, let us enter his rest because it is a promise for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them but the word which they have heard did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it the word not being mixed in faith in those who heard it so therefore it did not profit them so we who have believed do enter that rest as he has said so I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter rest those who do not believe shall not enter rest although the works were finished from the foundation of the world what what the writer of Hebrews is saying here that there is a promise of a restful place even in the midst of battle because he's talking about the 12 spies that went into Jericho and he's saying that the same report the 10 and the 2 had the same report but two came back because they mixed reality with faith how's your mixture do you mix the word of God with your own faith? You know, you can be in church, but not be in church. Come on, you can be here, but not really be here. You ever, you can be thinking about the next Netflix episode that you got to watch when you get home. You can be thinking about the roast that you put on. You can be thinking about what restaurant's going to be open. Let me help you with that on the North Shore. Very few of them are going to be open. I'm just helping you out. Uh, you can be thinking about work tomorrow. You can be thinking about the challenge that's going on. You can be here, but not really be here. But the Bible says the way we enter this rest is we take the word and we mix it with our own faith. We, we make it personal to who we are and therefore we will enter the rest that he has promised us. For we who have believed do enter that rest. You ever noticed how people can sit in the same church for three years and one can be completely changed by the word of God and one can be not changed by the word of God. I can tell you it has nothing to do with the word of God and everything to do with the recipient of the word of God. It's not just being in an environment where it's preached, it's mixing it with my own faith. It's temporary challenge mixed with an eternal perspective. I'm going through a temporary challenge, but I know the outcome of what Jesus died and paid for me to live in. So therefore, it changes the way I do my temporary challenge. Let me, let me give you a word that I discovered. I was researching this this week, and let me give you a word that I discovered that I'd never seen before. It's the word lehem. 
It's a Bible word. And you would have heard of it. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Beth means house. Lehem means bread or eat, bread or food. So Jesus was born in the house of bread. Isn't it amazing that the bread of life was born in the house of bread? The very same word with a different accent. It's the very same word goes from lehem to lehem. And the word lehem means to fight or to eat. Lehem, bread or eat. Lehem, fight or eat. Isn't it amazing that God gives us the same word with just a different accent and it has a different meaning? Here's why. If you've got a pen, I want you to write this down. Because when you feed on the word of God, you fight the battles. Feeding is fighting and fighting is feeding. If I can get a word from God, I've watched people go through the most horrendous of challenges and they get a word from God. And although there are dark days and there, I'm not speaking some fluffy gospel that you'll never have a challenge. What I am saying is that in the midst of challenge, the word of God can become food for my soul. And all of a sudden, what should cause me to spin out of control I can be in rest and I'm facing something but I fight by what I feed on you know the internet I think is one of the biggest challenges to spiritual walk depending on how you are wired I had a friend of mine who was diagnosed with cancer and they went into an absolute tailspin, which that's a massive thing. I've, I've had close friends go through it. And I, hear me, I'm not for a moment downplaying it. But what I am saying is the worst thing you can do is get online and spend 12 hours a day researching cancer and the trajectory of cancer and how cancer eats your body and not spend one moment getting into the word of God that says, by his stripes, I am healed, that I am more than an overcomer through he who gives me life, that in Christ I am a new creation that the same God who created my body is the same God that can use medicine and miracles same thing that can heal my body don't become an expert on the disease but feed on the word of God and mix it with faith and all of a sudden in the midst of a challenge I can be in rest what should cause anxiety I get Rest. Our greatest weapon in the battle to overcome is to feast on the bread of life, the word of God, and his name is Jesus. Psalm 23 says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yo, they are walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you have, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. Here's the part I want you to get: You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies yeah but I still feel the pain yep but there's a table prepared yeah but my wayward child isn't back yet yep but there's a table prepared 
Yeah, but I struggle with mental health. Yes, but there is a table prepared in the presence of your enemies. What happens at a table? Awesome. You eat. On the table at our south campus would be KFC. At our north campus would be kale. And our central campus would be kombucha or something like that. I don't even know how to say it. But there is food on the table. You know why? Because feeding is fighting. And fighting is feeding. And God wants to serve things up. The creator in the heaven, of heaven and earth has prepared a table for you and I to feast on as an overcoming strategy that I can stand in his word and his truth and his promise and mix it with my faith and affect the journey that I go through. How do I feast on the word of God? Let me give you a few ways that I do it. Number one, through the actual word of God, reading the word of God. 35 minutes on a Sunday is not enough. If all you get is 35 minutes on a Sunday, it'll be enough to get you week to week, but you'll be malnourished. Get into the Word of God and believe that something will jump off the page. You ever been just in worship or you ever been reading your Bible or listening to a message or somewhere and something that something Pastor Paul says, just one line is like the Holy Spirit highlights it and drives it into your spirit and it becomes alive to you. That's called a rhema, a living word. I don't know about you, but there have been weeks where I've eaten on that living word that is not out of Pastor Paul's mouth, that is out of the mouth of God, straight into my spirit. Spirit, and I eat on it all week long. The Word of God. Secondly, worship. Worship. I feast on worship. Do you know the minute worship goes on, you try being mad and have worship on at the same time. Give that a shot. If you've got road rage, put worship on real loud. You try giving someone the bird with G. You try that. Come on, I don't know what's going on in your world. But worship put, puts words to my spirit. And all of a sudden, I can borrow a poet's words and make them mine. And I can feast on those words. My kids, when I walk around the house singing, hate it because I can't. But I do. Because it's my way of feasting and feeding who I am. Thirdly, other people. Come on, we, don't, we don't want you in a group because we need our group's numbers up. We want you in a group because it is a strategy from heaven to get people around you who can speak life and hope and faith into you so that in that moment I can feast because feasting is fighting. You ever, you ever seen expectant parents prepare? Like when we had our first child, let's not talk about the third one, but when we had our first child, we had like the crib done, we had like the walls painted, we had so many soft toys that she doesn't care about. She, she had no idea. We had more clothes than she could ever wear. I think she wore most of them about once because she had so many of them. She had more shoes than Kim Kardashian. She couldn't even walk yet. Uh, we, had like the, we had like the little bin that you put the, the, the dirty nappy in and it would scent the nappy because God forbid she could smell her own nappy in the middle of the night. We had this little machine that you put the wet wipes on that would warm the wet wipes up because you don't want the cold wet wipes touching her bum in the middle of the night and giving her a shock. So by the time Judah came around, I had a bag and a stroller. That's all I had. That was it. 
Like we survived, he's fine with a bag and a stroller. But here's the deal, when you are expecting a child, before they're even born, you prepare their room, you put the car seat in. The Bible says in Hebrews that before the foundation of the world, Jesus' works were already done for you and for I to live a life of overcoming. When I realize that, it changes the way I fight. I don't fight from a place of striving. I fight from a place of, Jesus, you've already done it. Now, I still have to do some things, but you've already done it. Let me, let me read you how uh, David did this in 1 Samuel 17. And my prayer is that this mantra becomes your mantra this week. 1 Samuel 17 says this, And when the Philistines looked out and saw David, for those of you who are new in church, Uh, We're going to hand out communion. Why don't you grab communion? If you love Jesus, grab communion and hold on to it for just a moment. But for those of you who are new to church, there is a story in the Bible we're about to read. It's about a young boy who goes to the front line of a war to basically deliver a message from his dad to his brothers. And he gets caught up and ends up being the main player in the battle. This is what we're breaking into here. When the Philistines saw David, he disdained him. For he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? The Philistine cursed David by the gods and the Philistine said to David, come at me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come at me with sword, spear and javelin. Sword, spear and javelin are very physical, tactical weapon. You can see a sword, you can see a spear, you can see a javelin. But David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. The day, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. You know why we have to overcome? So that our generation knows that there is a God in heaven who loves them and who is for them. Then all the assembly shall know that the the Lord does not save by sword or spear. Here's the part I want you to get. For the battle is the Lord's. He will give you into our hands. Those are the five most powerful words that anyone in the midst of a battle can remember. The battle is the, that's four, whatever it is. It's five, right? The battle is the Lord's. It's five. The battle is the Lord's. Listen, the battle, when when I realize that Jesus have, are you fighting from a place that Jesus has already done it? Like, I may be sick, but by His stripes I am healed. I have an enemy trying to steal my healing. Or I'm sick and I have to fight for my healing. Because when I have to fight for my healing, I am striving and I am straining and I am trying to... No, no, no. By His stripes I am healed. I can rest in what He's already done. And God, I will do what You ask me to do. David still had to go out into battle, but he didn't take Saul's armour because he knew all he could go into battle with was who he was, a shepherd boy with a sling. God, it's not my fight anyway because the arm, the battle won't 
Sorry, the armour won't help me because the battle is not mine. The battle is the Lord's. Come on, tomorrow when you wake up, you look at that doctor's report and say, God, this is your battle. You look at your bank statement, God, this is your battle. There are some things I may have to do today, but the battle is the Lord's. Jesus hung on a cross 2,000 years ago and said, it is finished. My prayer is that every one of us, we fight from a place of rest. Resting in who He is. Here's today's big thought. We overcome through resting in what Jesus has already done. Come on, God sees more than I see. God knows more than I know. God's stronger than I am. So I can believe, mix the words of Mix His Word with my faith and come into a place of rest. Don't try and fight. Listen, last week I was in Central or the week before. I had to go to an unreached people group and share the gospel. The Bible, the Bible says that Jesus won't come back till every people group has heard the gospel. So I went to Central and shared the gospel. We can tick that people group off. We're done there. This lady came up to me afterwards and she said, hey, my son was in church for decades and something happened and now he's out. Would you pray? Would you pray that I would see him saved again? I said, hey, I'll pray for you. But can I let you know you're a horrible saviour? I know, it was real pastoral in the moment. I'm like, hey, you're a hor- I'm a horrible saviour. I can't save anyone. I can't heal anyone. But Jesus, he's a great saviour and he's a great healer. So why don't we pray that this young man where Jesus said, I have lost not but one. Why don't we pray that this young man comes back into a place that he has always been designed for and pray from a place of rest, not from a place of I have to get them saved. But God, would they realize what they were created for? We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.